Hi, need a ride? Hop on in. I'm headed to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Come on, let's go. We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. Far tonight, the show is brought to you by Julia's VA Service, Julia's Virtual Assistant Service. We're broadcasting live from the Petro in West Memphis, Arkansas. It's really cool because of the fact that nobody knows I'm doing this. I have my curtains closed across my windshield, and. Unless you know what my truck looks like from the picture on the radio show site or from Facebook, nobody knows I'm even doing this in the parking lot, so I'm kind of doing it incognito, so I think it's pretty cool. Tonight we're going to be talking about a variety of thing, things of what's going on in the country. I really have, can I talk? There's one gal that I listen to that's uh, on talk radio, and she's like, can I talk? And another line, she, I have to do a line going, are you all laughing at me? Anyway, uh, I search and find the latest trucking news because I know y'all are busy and you can't really sit and go on your laptop or want to. You want to eat, you want to relax, you want to watch a movie or something like that. You don't want to have to worry about trying to find what's going on in the trucking industry or what happened or anything like that. So... This is a way for you to get the most current trucking news without having to go dig for it. That's my job for you. And, you know, I don't have enough to do in my day driving 10 hours a day, so I decided to open up my own radio show. How about it? Um, tonight we're going to go through a bunch of different articles, and let's get right to it. You know, we all know that... Um, the uh, CVSA was just uh, last, you know, uh, last month, and um, about 1,085 commercial vehicles were inspected, 3,769 uh, violations were found. If I'm not mistaken, though, I might be quoting 2017 um, results. I apologize about that. I just noticed that. Oops, my bad. I can't find, I've searched the search, and I can't find any 2018 results yet. So maybe by next June, the CVSA will come to find out, you know, what the results are. I just found Texas and Rhode Island so far. I can't find anything else. So if anybody out there has any kind of results that they may have found from the different violations from, you know, June when we had that big safety check, um, Please uh, drop me a line at uh, info at juliastruckercafe.com or leave a comment on the Facebook page under juliastruckercafe.com um, where I could find those results so I can gladly go ahead and tell you guys what the results are. I'd greatly appreciate it because I just can't find it and I just realized, uh, crud, I grabbed the wrong thing. Oops. So on to the next, uh, let me go ahead and finish this though. Vehicles of service were 350, drivers put out of service were 107, 
and the decals issued at past inspections without any incidents or anything were 580. So that's, you know, really pretty good. Um, for 20, that was 2017 again. In other news, a semi-truck partially falls off of a freight barge. I don't, I've never, in 30 years of being out here, I've never had to take my truck and put it on a barge before. Have any of you? I don't know what that experience would be like, you know? And I apologize for the background noise. There, I do have my windows open. It is a nice evening out. So um, some trucks sound like a jet go off. But anyway. And um, all, again, like all the other shows, the links will be posted on the website in the show notes. So go to Cafe Menu. There's a drop-down menu, and you'll find the show notes. And you can have all the links, and I put it by the title of the show. Uh, the call was called to rescue people after a semi-truck went partially overboard off of a freight barge in North Carolina. And this happened actually today at 11.30 this morning. And it was reported about close to 11 o'clock in Brownsville County, North Carolina. A truck partially fell off the U.S. Brandon Rand freight barge into the Cape Fear River near Bald Head. Images from the incident were captured by a Facebook user uh, from the Bald Head Island Ferry. The Coast Guard deployed a boat to assist to the rescue of an unknown number of people as a result of the incident. There were no injuries, thank goodness. After the incident, the barge docked at the Deep Point Marina in Southport, North Carolina. It remains unclear why the truck partially fell off of the barge. So still, that's still under investigation. There again, there's a picture of the barge, and it's the tractor. I don't know. It started rolling forward. If you didn't have, you know, with the rocking of the water or something, that it started just going forward. I don't know. So that was really unusual. Um, I have, on a somber note, um, today... Let's see. It was Friday. My bad. It was Friday. Um, two men were killed. Two truck drivers were killed in Delaware. Um, all right, let me start again. Two Delaware men were killed on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel in Virginia after crashing into a van. They went over the side of the bridge into the water and did not survive. Our thoughts and condolences are with their families. Uh, Darnell Hall and um, he drives in tandem with his brother and he, he usually likes to be in the truck. Um, plus he's the older sibling. Uh, but on Friday, the brothers from Delaware hauled organic compost to Waverly, Virginia. Javron Hall, 32, got in front. Each in their own trucks, they switched places at the toll booth, marking the entrance heading south across the 17-mile Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. Not until he reached Virginia Beach did Darnell realize his brother didn't make it across. So now he says he feels helpless. They couldn't do anything about what happened during their drive over the bridge. About 6.30, Jevron's tractor-trailer crashed with a van at mile marker 12 on the west side of the bridge, southbound, span. 
sending the truck through the guardrail and into the bay waters beneath. Javon was killed along with his pastor, Christopher Fenner, Fenner 29, also of Delaware. Four people inside the van were all, they weren't hurt, they were okay. Uh, Fenner had just chatted with his father on a video call Friday afternoon. He was so happy, his dad said, we reached, would reach by the pilot on Monday. He said, I got to go, I'll call you right back. And I know he, he passed. Uh, Fenner Sr. said his son, who had been engaged for about five months, was working for an agency on a temporary assignment. He planned to move down to Raleigh, North Carolina, and live with his father in a matter of weeks. Uh, Mr. Senior, Mr. Fenner Sr. is a Pentecostal minister, and he was about to marry a couple in the fall. Again, our dearest, deepest condolences to Mr. Fenner. Um, the fiance is as devastated as the dad is, of course. Um, his dad wants to know whether Christopher, he was the only child, died on impact or whether he suffered, which any parent would like to know. Um, he says that bothers him a lot. The, the um, police department on the, t on the Bay Bridge Tunnel continually investigate the cause of the crash um, and don't expect to release more information for the next few weeks. Um, the uh, spokesman said he knows that's not what people want to hear because people want answers like right now. Anderson said investigators are supposed to return to the bridge on Monday to reconstruct the crash scene, but lightning and rain has kept them away. So that was today. It was storming too bad on the bridge today, July 30th, so they couldn't go back out there to, and with winds and everything as well. They always have a lot of high wind warnings on that bridge, and it is a long span. I've been over that bridge plenty of times. And you go, you know, across the bridge and down in a tunnel under the water, then back up again. So it, it gets kind of precarious. He said you could barely see on the bridge when we got on. That's when the skies opened up and it poured like crazy. And you could barely see the road in front of you. Everyone was going slow, but still people have to use common sense during a storm. He's been on the bridge often because his wife's family lives in Suffolk and they take that route to visit them. He had gotten off the bridge by the time the accident happened and was surprised to hear about it afterwards. Darnell Hall remembers the weather being calm and even sunny as the drove to the bridge Friday afternoon. He remembers reading the signs the speed limits had been reduced from 50 to 30, 55 to 35 miles an hour. So they knew it was coming. They, uh, you know, the, the people that take care of the speed limits and everything there on, the, on that bridge knew a storm was coming in order to reduce the speed like that. Um, the automatic easy pass lanes, they were shut down. So the toll booth operators were to advise drivers in person of the condition and the speed reduction. Ten minutes into the Hall Brothers' drive across the bridge tunnel, the skies opened up and heavy rain started coming down. Hall said Hall was about two or three vehicles behind Javon. He had a box truck in front of him, so it was hard to see his brother's white tractor trailer. Then traffic started slowing down. He got closer to could see the damaged van turned sideways on the road, still on its wheels. He could barely drive his truck by. He didn't see or hear the crash. He said the visibi visibility was horrible. He saw a piece of his brother's truck on the road when he drove past the passenger van but didn't know his truck had gone into the water. When he reached Virginia Beach, he stopped because police were checking trucks. Darnell had been calling his brother's phone. At first it rang, but soon it started going straight to voicemail. He tried calling the boss of their company who told him the GPS of Javon's truck was showing him still at a mile marker 12. He is still at the bridge. 
Hall describes his brother as a happy-go-lucky kind of guy who helps other people. He served in the military, he said, and Jerome has a twin brother who is devastated by his death. Chandler's body was recovered that night, while Hall's body was found Sunday morning, about eight miles off of Fisherman's Island. Chandler seemed to be waiting to hear back from Christopher after the video call ended Friday. Instead, early Saturday morning, he had a call informing him of his son's death. Christopher had started a series of videos on various social media platforms and hoped to span to a reality TV show. He didn't really have a chance to do that, his dad said. On the bridge, the shoulder lane at the scene of the crash will be closed until permanent repairs can be made to extensive curb and guardrail damage, which is expected to take several days. I'm going to be posting another recipe this week, so keep checking the Facebook page and the website for more recipes to come. Please join our discussion group of Julia's Truck and Cafe. I'll talk eventually. <laughs> Julia's Truck and Cafe regulars. There you'll get to see the recipe before everybody else does. So that's kind of a perk in order to, you know, for our discussion group members. Tonight's show is sponsored by Jules Virtual Assistant Service. If you need any website, transcription, or social media marketing, contact Jules Virtual Assistant Service by going to the website of juliasvaservice.com. That's Julia's V as in Victor, A as in Apple, service.com. With quick turnaround time and economical prices, Julia's Virtual Assistant Service is your best bet for website design, transcription, and social media marketing. So click on their site today, have a look around. It's juliasvaservice.com. That's juliasvaservice.com. Back to more news. The FBI and other law enforcement agencies have arrested North Carolina police chief and his top lieutenant who are allegedly working at a trucking company when they are supposed to be doing police duties in the city of Southport. Southport police chief Gary Smith, 46, and Lieutenant Michael Simons were arrested today in charge of felony conspiracy to obtain property under false pretenses. And this was July 26th. So that was about four days ago. One count of misdemeanor willful failing to discharge duties and one count of misdemeanor obstruction of justice. The charges stem from a long investigation conducted by the FBI, the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation. Investigators discovered Smith and Simons were working for an unnamed trucking company while they were on the clock and being paid by the city of Southport. They were double dipping. Go figure! You know, apparently a police chief's salary isn't enough. $65,000 a year isn't, you know, enough. So they were going to dibble, dibble, ha, double dip. Are you laughing at me? I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, Katie, I'm going to use your vernacular. I'm going to use your term. Are you all laughing? And um, so he, you know, us truck drivers make tons of money, buku money. Everybody's joining drive the truck because we make all this money. So they were double-dipping. 
uh, Brunswick County DA, John David, said while these officers were reportedly on the clock, they were not even in the city of Southport. By the time these allegations were brought to us, they had been going on for a significant amount of time. So they're getting away with it for quite a while. Go figure. With President Simons often out of the city working for the ticket company, Southport Police Department was described as a ghost ship. The ghost light. No, that's not the right one. That was off cars, wasn't it? The ghost light. Anyway, with no one directing lower-ranking police officers. So they were just letting the, you know, little rookies and the lower officers and stuff just run amok while they're traipsing around God knows where driving a truck while they're supposed to be on duty. As part of the investigation, the entire Southport Police Department was placed on paid administrative leave. The Brunswick County Sheriff's Office will take over policing duties inside of Southport for the time being. Smith is being held in jail without bail. So the entire police department was placed on administrative leave. David, no, no, it's not unusual that a police officer would have a second job. However, this was a dereliction of duties that really caused concern. Smith earned a salary of $65,546.21 this year from the city of Southport. He has worked in law enforcement for more than 20 years. You know, so he's a veteran. A veteran. I'll talk yet. Can I talk? A veteran in law enforcement for over 20 years, and then he's going to screw it up. I just don't get it. Now, Illinois troopers, um, in other news, Illinois troopers are riding in semi-trucks to catch car drivers making poor decisions. This was as of the 25th. Let me look at my calendar real fast. That is, this article was written last week Wednesday, so I'm a little behind, sorry. The Illinois State Police announced that they're riding... They are riding along in semi-trucks to try to catch drivers in the act on I-57. That was last week, so I'm a little bit late. But they are still, you know, they're doing it from time to time. Um, they took to Facebook to announce their trooper and truck detail. As you read this, they say there's an ISP trooper, Illinois Patrol trooper, riding in a truck tractor semi-trailer combination up and down the interstate observing poor decisions made, being made by drivers near commercial motor vehicles. Excuse me. Many drivers along with our entire region learned a painful lesson last summer as we saw numerous crashes claim lives, cause injury, destroy property, and cause lengthy unnecessary traffic backups. When commercial motor vehicles are involved in a crash, a large amount of energy is delivered into that event. This detail is another component component in our continuing fight against the poor decisions that are impacting the roadways of our area. By actively seeking out violations via semis and educational efforts such as this post, we hope to reduce the number of crashes involving CMVs thus saving lives. Will you join us by making good decisions behind the wheel of your vehicle? Not, not in Illinois. I hope so. I hope this works, but not in Illinois. Several other states also have troopers ride along in semi-trucks to let officers get a glimpse of what truckers see every day. And you know who's going to be doing it? FCC, Walmart, um, Schneider, all 
big names, you know, because they're perfect drivers. They don't do nothing wrong. They don't go with us owner-operators or lease purchase drivers that really know what the hell's going on. They go in trucks that are 62 miles an hour, always wear your seatbelt, you know, this kind of stuff. Let me just say it that way, you know. And uh, I go saying, you know, again, trying to break that habit. But um, so they don't... If you're going to go out with somebody, guys, you know, go out with a real truck driver. I'm sorry, but not all these big conglomerates. You know, it's just, there I go again. You know, it's just, mm. Researchers delve deeper into trucking parking problem. Now, this is happening in Arkansas. This was wrote yesterday, Sunday. So new research is underway regarding one of the transportation industry's most prevalent concerns, the lack of safe and available parking. The University of Arkansas Civil Engineering Assistant Professor Sarah Hernandez is involved in the study that about the use of intelligent transportation systems like sensing technologies to detect and characterize truck traffic. And we thought Big Brother was watching. Apparently Big Sister is watching us now too. As a part of that study, Hernandez has been researching the parking problem for the past two years. Freightways recently reported on American Transportation Research Institute, Institute truck parking diary research. In the course of its research, ATRI found that 63% of drivers must look for parking for over 15 minutes between the hours of 4 p.m. and midnight. Well, you think? ATRI's research also found that drivers sacrifice an average of 56 minutes of potential driving time per day by parking earlier than they would otherwise need to in order to secure a spot. This means the parking shortage effectively reduces an individual driver's productivity by 9,300 revenue earning miles a year, which equates to lost wages of $4,600 annually. OMG! I'll wait just about a minute. In nine days, I'm on an ELD. Been on an ELD for five years. I added it up, paid miles. I in nine days I did five thousand one hundred miles, and I was on recap on my ELD and did over. 5,000 miles in nine, nine days, mind you, nine days. So don't whine and cry and piss and moan how, oh, I can't make no money doing ELD. I can't make no money doing, driving an ELD because that's horse pucky. I do it day in and day out. And I make the most I've ever made in 30 years working for the company I work for, which will remain nameless. And that's just because I don't want to promote one company over another. But Hernandez, getting back to the article, Hernandez is using raw truck GPS data from ATRI information from the Arkansas DOT and her own network of truck parking facilities to figure out the scope of the parking problem in Arkansas, the state that houses both Walmart and Tyson Foods. Hernandez uses this data to infer whether the truck was driving or sitting still when the data was collected. 
Based on the characteristics of the GPS pings, while travel time and the distance between consecutive pings. So moving from place to place, you could tell. She then overlays that with a map of the truck parking facility she helped develop using geospatial technologies. The map includes public and private truck stops as well as larger parking lots along the interstate that may belong to a Walmart, Target, or Lowe's. If we overlay them together, she says, we can look at things like how many trucks are parked at that facility by the time of day and how long each one spent there. We can determine when they get overcrowded. Ultimately, yeah, then we get booted out that we can't park there anymore. You know? So... It just, it just amazes me. Ultimately, Hernandez's research would allow her to tell where overcrowding occurs and predict when it will happen. Well, let's see. Hmm. By 10 o'clock at night, there is no parking. All she's got to do is call me and ask me. Hopefully, if she's listening to this show, all she has to do is call me and ask me. By 10, 11 o'clock at night, you're not going to find a parking spot. And even the paid parking reserves are full as well. So, I mean, it doesn't, she's doing all this bad and everything. Don't take a rocket scientist. Apparently, I'm going to have to call her and talk to her. Even with the GPS data from ATRI and her truck parking network, Hernandez knows she may not be getting the full picture. That is where information collected by the DOT comes into play. She says there are some tricks in there because a GPS data sample is still a sample. It's about 10 to 15 percent of all of the trucks. So we have a little bit of finagling to figure out the true volume of the trucks. In Arkansas, our state DOT has, has been performing manual overnight truck parking study. We have that data to compare to our data, which gives us a unique thing to play with and learn about truck parking. Like I said, Ms. Hernandez. All you got to do is call me, look me up on Facebook, get a hold of me. I can tell you what's going on out here. After 30 years of being out here, why don't you start talking to some of us old veterans? We'll tell you exactly what's going on. You know? So I just, um, I just don't get it. So now I want to take a moment, and I want to read from Jaworski's, uh ubiquitous poetry and motivational quotes just to kind of break up the show just a little bit tonight's going to be my inspiration where the rain pours loudly and the skies get cloudy your inner light still glows stick your chest out proudly and move forward when you're down and out and you're surrounded by darkness with one look up here is my hand I will help you up walk with dignity Learn from your mistakes. Expand your understanding. See your goals and keep straight. There is always a way to alleviate the heavy weight. So believe. Remain strong. Be godly. Keep faith. Believe in yourself. There are endless possibilities to the things you can do. It's amazing how much you can accomplish being you. Together we must continue. Beside you I will stand. The power is in is within you my inspiration. He has a lot of good poetry in the book that he gave me, so I try to remember to at least read one of his every week just to kind of break up the heaviness. I'm trying to do different things with the show 
to try to make it funny, to try to to be upbeat. It, Dave is kind of hard, you know, but this is also very serious subject. You know, it's not, you know, comedy hour or anything. Trucking is a serious business. Um, there is a lot of talk shows and everything out there. I try to, there again, mix it up for everybody. And also I want to remind everybody that the federal heavy vehicle um, road tax is due the end of August. So if you're an owner-operator listening to the show, if you're a lease purchase operator may, and you're paying your on your truck to a company, make sure that they file either any time in the upcoming weeks your heavy road use tax uh, form 2290 and needs to be filed by August 31st. That's a tax for that we have to. Everybody has to pay for using the highways across the country with um, a heavy heavy use vehicle. And for our headlining story tonight, what I wanted to make everybody aware of is to make sure you're guarding your data and your um, identity and take special precaution while on the road to prevent identity theft. Um, Scott Reed was an owner-operator at the time and he was pulled over by a sheriff's deputy and after the deputy ran his license the officer told him he had eight outstanding warrants for his arrest. And Scott says in this article, and they're going to be in the show notes, um, that the news to him was quite a shock. He said he, he worked, he's now working as an independent dispatcher and also a radio show host. I'd like him to be on the show, and maybe I could be on his show. That would be kind of cool, huh? I told, he said, I told the officer that I can't even think of eight things I've done to get warrants. That wasn't the only discrepancy. The warrants were issued for a man described as 5 feet 10, 130 pounds, with blue eyes and light brown hair. Reed is 6'2", about 400 pounds, with brown eyes and black hair. Four years later, Reed continues to recover from the identity theft. From all he's learned about a situation, he thinks his stolen personal vanity was passed to more than one person. And that's what normally happens. They, they sell your identity, they, Facebook does, um, Verizon does, a lot of cell, cellular data does, they sell your identity, they sell, you know, your information about you, which should be illegal, it's supposed to be private, you know, and once you sign up for their apps and stuff, your stuff is out there, and um, those eight warrants were issued in at least six different states. The thieves used his identity to buy two new cars, cash checks for upwards of $6,000, among other things. Let, let you know, anything over $2,000 is a felony. I know from personal experience, and I'll get to my experience here in a second. So a lot of things happened to him in a very short period of time, he says. Unfortunately, it's taken a very long time to straighten it out. Oh, yeah, it takes two seconds to screw it all up, but it takes you 15 years to straighten it out because nobody believes you. There again, I'll tell you my story in a minute. While his credit rating is recovering slowly, 
A credit card company still claims he owes over $8,000. He said talking to his banker, she tells him it's going to take a couple of years to get back to where he was. Who's not sure his information wasn't stolen, how his information was stolen. As Reed's case shows, truckers are vulnerable not only to financial loss at a trash credit rating from identity theft, but also legal complications that can be threatened their livelihood. They're also at more risk of having personal data compromised than most people because they're constant traveling. So you never know who's done it, you know. So there are dozens of ways that people can get your identity. Now, they cite in this article your driver's license. You know how when you walk into a shipper or receiver's office, they automatically ask you for your driver's license? What Mr. Reed is saying here is a good idea to jot down that person's name, security guard's name, the company, that you, the shipper or the receiver that you're at, the day, the time, and everything. Just jot it down in a little notebook. You know how many shippers and receivers ask me for my driver's license? I can't. I lose count. So I'm like, holy crap. You know, um, and then if they may, make sure they don't make a copy of it. Because all they have to, they have all your information there. They have your driver's license. They have your name and address. They have your, what you look like. They have your picture. Everything. You know, is on your driver's license. All you have to do is Google you. And they get a ton more crap on you. You know, where you live and everything. So. You know, uh, then if you're going to wrap your DOT number, that's an open door for a shipper or receiver to gain more information about you. Be careful when you're getting gas and when you're taking money out of ATM. Skimming devices installed at the fuel pumps and in ATMs can be used to collect credit card and debit card information. If you notice the keyboard or the card slot appears to be kind of loose or if it's off-center a little bit or something, it's probably got a device in it to scan your card. At least one app, Skimmer Scanner, for Android devices can detect the skimmers. One other precaution is to avoid fuel pumps that can't be easily seen by truck stop personnel. Also avoid ATMs in low traffic locations, like out in the middle of BFE. You know, don't get money out of that ATM. At a pump or ATM, cover any numbers you enter on the keyboard. Even if these aren't standing close by to watch, they can use small hidden cameras to collect that information. Reed says he doesn't use a credit card or debit card that much, but when he does, he's extra vigilant about protecting card information by palming the card to cover its numbers. If he were still a driver, he says he would try to use cash as much as possible or pay with a comm check. I use my comm data card, you know, a lot. So, you know, paying lumpers or anything. Mail. When you don't return home nightly or even weekly, you know, have someone pick up your mail. Rent a post office box or put it on hold. Um, always shred your, the mail that you're going to throw out before you throw it out, like in little bitty confetti pieces. I usually, the important, important stuff, I burn it. You know, and there again, once I get done with this article, I'll tell you my story. Wi-Fi network, beware of using public Wi-Fi at truck stops and elsewhere to check bank accounts and other personal data. A crook on the same Wi-Fi network could collect that sensitive information. Cargo theft. Identity theft also could be used for cargo theft that would derail an owner-operator. Suppose a thief with commercial driving skills collects enough information on another driver to create a fake ID and pose at the, as that second driver.
At that point, they'll go out and take a couple of loads, or they get paid for a load, not deliver it. All of a sudden, the victim is basically done. The first driver that, you know, the identity was stolen, his, his career is shot because the whole business has been compromised. Since identity theft is often part of a cargo theft scam and other areas of fraud, some fleets highlight driver identity protection as their anti-fraud efforts. Schneider National Security on Your Side program cautions its drivers regarding data breaches, mobile device safety, social media scams, and voice vishing, among other things. A vishing is V-I-S-H-I-N-G scam is when a phone caller posing as a representative of a reputable company tries to manipulate you into revealing your personal info. Schneider says it encourages drivers to scrutinize any such requests, such as asking whether they can get a second method of identification to confirm the caller's identity. A driver uncertain about the request should end the call immediately. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of, you know, oh, get, get a student loan, or you need this, or you know, or the tax man is out to get you. You're fixing to be arrested. That's always a real good one. I've been having a lot of calls on that garbage. So we're quick to remind drivers to monitor their credit to ensure no one is making fraudulent charges to their accounts or attempting to open new lines of credit, such as a bank loan. We also encourage drivers to be wary of emails, social media posts, and phone calls that appear to come from financial, financial institutions asking for verica- verification of personal information. That's like if, um, oh, who was it? Shoot, that escapes me now. There's somebody, oh, um, Dell or Microsoft. The, uh, my son even got scammed, you know, that uh, Microsoft kept trying to call and trying to call. He knows for the guys from Nigeria that are trying to get money, you know, and it wasn't, they weren't, they, they're posing from Microsoft. That was happening a while ago. They're posing that they're from Microsoft. So uh, to catch a potential identity theft early, routinely monitor your accounts and credit reports. Once you see evidence of data being compromised, such as unfamiliar charges on your financial accounts, immediately contact your bank. My bank's pretty good about watching that. A lot of banks have turned vigilant about that. And uh, each institution can suspend your account under its existing number, issue you a new number, and then offer further guidance. The Federal Trade Commission operates identitytheft.gov, federal site with tips on how to protect your identity. There again, that link is here in the show notes. It'll be like a gray uh, link. You can report information about your identity theft on that site, and we'll use that information to provide you with a free personalized recovery plan. That also gives you the high number here. There is more information about receiving fraud alerts and everything else in this article here. So, again, this will be on the show notes, under the show notes. And um, with the, um, under the website. In my particular case, I told you I was going to go ahead and, and talk to you about my case. I moved out of a house my mother had and in southern Mississippi. and But I left some boxes there, and that was my bad. I'll take full credit for it. And in, I forgot even what was in the boxes at the time of the move. But apparently in those boxes were old checking accounts, uh, checkbooks from old checking accounts, and an old, old, old expired ID. Well, someone broke into the house, 
ransacked the boxes, didn't take the checkbook from Tennessee that I had in there, but took a checkbook on a closed count, and the bank was sold, and took my previous ID from my first marriage, now like I'm three mar- two marriages later, and I didn't even look the same, bought $6,400 worth of furniture, went to Lowe's and spent $400 at Lowe's. I had close to eight grand in bad checks, and I was a suspect because I was supposed to be aware of all this because my name was on the checkbook. Wait a damn minute. I didn't even look over there, but like I said, I should have moved those boxes. So if you have old checks laying around, my advice to you would be burn them. Don't shred them. Nothing like that. Burn them. So nobody could get in, get them again because it's still I'm like he was. This young man was fighting his credit report. I am too. I'm 54 years old and still don't have good credit, and it just sucks. So try to do everything you can to try to rebuild it. Like you said, you know, it doesn't take long for it to, you know, bite the dust. But doggone it, it takes you forever to get it back where it was. It really, really does because that's constantly, you know, in the back of your mind or put off, you know, the back burner or whatever. And they never did catch the person that wrote those checks. The clerk, when he seen the ID, well, it looks similar. I even gave a handwriting sample to the sheriff's office, and they and they sent it into the FBI. You know what the FBI said? Inconclusive. I was looking at the check, which was on the table, upside down, in front of me, while I was doing the handwriting sample. I can tell you from my handwriting and theirs, it didn't even match. Not at all. Just you could look at it and see that it didn't match. But I was still a suspect. I was still a suspect. So tonight's show ran a little bit longer than most shows. Yay, woohoo! I'm getting close to that hour. Did a lot more research, had some time to do more research. So I hope everybody has a good week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading the shows or live streaming the show. That's great. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just for numbers, you don't necessarily have to ring the bell or anything for alerts, but just to help with the numbers, that would be really, really huge. And um, I hope, again, I hope everybody has a really good week. Be careful driving in the bad weather. Someone asked a question on Facebook, just thinking about it real quickly, that, um, you know, what do you think of using flashers in bad weather? Hell yeah! You know, you're supposed to use flashers in bad weather. It shows that people are flowing down in front of you. They, it, that it gives everybody an alert that it wake you up from your daydreaming, your texting, your phone call, or whatever. Oh, there's something going on up ahead. You know, it kind of snaps you awake to say, oh, better start slowing down. Hell yeah, use flashers. He says to say, uh, uh, hopefully he was a smart butt, but I had to say, well, this is a stupid idea. Stupidest thing I ever heard. Oops. And also backing up. And don't ever walk behind somebody that's backing into a hole, backing up to a dock. You have a death wish. 
If you act behind fuck on drugs, I'll gun it. I'll run your ass over. In a heartbeat. Yeah, it could be a threat. You know? But, uh, I don't play. Don't walk behind me when I have my flashers on and I'm backing into a hole. Because you, you have a death wish. Plain and simple. But on a, on a great note, everybody take care. If you have any questions, go ahead. Feel free to contact me. Drop me a line. You can always call in any of the shows. There again, the shows are live every Monday evening, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time. The call-in number is 213-943-3411. I apologize about not saying it sooner, but uh, normally the call-in number is 213-943-3411. Again, thank you each and everybody for uh, listening in, tuning in, and uh, please keep the shiny side up. And until next week, y'all have a very blessed and safe week. your morning going. Match up breakfast faves like a toasty sausage McMuffin with egg for $3 and the fruity sweetness of a small McCafe smoothie for just $2. Make your morning routine a little better. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. By any of the 70 Denver area O'Reilly Auto Parts stores, where you'll find everyday low prices on the parts you need to keep your vehicle at its best. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any auto parts store's price on any like item. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.